Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and I am here to chat with you about video games, gaming, news, speculation, and much more. This week, we'll be talking about more console acquisition drama, Tencent buying a big old fat chunk of Ubisoft, uh, talking about whether or not 343 should still be making Halo games, and, and legitimately a whole bunch more. This is going to be a long episode. A few things before we get into the show. A big thank you to the supporter level Patreon patrons, PK, Manmade Golf, The Dawn, Caged, Nephilim, and a special thanks to produ- producer level patron Hassan. If you are interested in supporting this show, my other content, and getting perks, please check out patreon.com slash Diesel. Please subscribe to the show, uh, The Echo Cast on your favorite podcast platform and if you're on spotify or itunes please leave a review and a rating on youtube please subscribe to the channel thumbs up the video and comment down below even if it's just to help the algorithm but ideally with what you think about the show a question you have for next week a topic you think i should cover or just say hi Last, please join the show's Discord to chat about the show, gaming news, sports, or whatever else you like. The link for the Discord is in the description of the show. A whole bunch of gaming news. Xbox and Sony drama uh, from the acquisition process continues. So as you know, probably if you're listening to this show, um, Xbox is trying to acquire Activision Blizzard. It's been a really interesting process now that it's um, hitting some of the other markets and it's going through its approval process there because, uh, for example, like the Brazil uh, way of doing things is it's very open and it's not behind closed doors the way it kind of seems like it is in a lot of other places. And um, basically all of the dirty laundry has been getting just drugged through the streets Um it seems like, at least in my opinion, that this deal must be getting pretty close to closing uh, for the most part because it seems like Sony is kind of throwing out some like last-minute jabs, maybe trying to get a little more concession on a few things. Uh, but let's jump into it. So uh, Phil Spencer of Xbox uh, had mentioned a few weeks ago that they had sent a signed offer to Sony for the future of Call of Duty um, after the current marketing deal expires. Uh, this week, Jim Ryan of PlayStation responded and basically said that the offer wasn't good enough. Um, it's thought that the current Call of Duty deal exists for the next three Call of Duty games, uh, which would be around 2026-ish, uh, depending on how quickly uh, they put out the next three games. And, and, and Xbox offered an additional three years on top of that. Uh, There's a similar structure going on with Minecraft. Um, If you don't remember, Xbox or Microsoft purchased the Minecraft developer many years ago. And uh, basically, there's like a rolling three-year deal that um, they have with Sony um, that they just renew every three years, basically. Uh, And because it's such a profitable venture, it will probably never go away. The idea, at least to me, was that this was going to be a similar thing, that um, you know Microsoft will be happy to get sales from PlayStation, 
but that they aren't going to guarantee like some like 20 year deal or something that they will honor the current contract because they have to. That's that's not really like a choice or anything, um, but that they would probably then move to this three year deal and then maybe make like the single player exclusive and then make the multiplayer not or something. I don't know. I think that they would probably just keep it cross platform and then just renew the deal every three years. But who knows? Um, in my opinion, this is, seems like really petty politics by PlayStation, um, kind of trying to force more years on the deal um, by having uh, you know regulators basically step in. Uh, this particular situation actually came up um, with the CMA, which is uh, the uh, the board that's covering or that's reviewing this merger or this acquisition uh, in Britain. Um, there's also at least some chatter about how that's where Jim Ryan is from and he's a very, 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 very rich man. And that there's some thought that it's kind of interesting that, uh, the CMA happens to be saying the exact same things that Jim Ryan is saying. So there's some thought that he probably has the ear of a few people, uh, on that board and that it's probably not, um, surprising that that's where there's going to be uh you know some potential hiccups um i think a big thing and you, you know obviously this is a situation that it's going to come up and it's going to be like uh xbox versus playstation jim ryan versus phil at the end of the day like phil and jim are the faces of those platforms but they aren't fighting. I mean, this is a thing between CEOs and high-level managers and attorneys, like mostly attorneys. And um, obviously, they're going to be the face of it, Phil Spencer and Jim Ryan. Um, but th this isn't like a thing between them. Um, I think the a big difference is I think Phil, uh, Phil Spencer is really, really good at seeming human and um, expressing himself in a way that seems genuine and um, personable. And Jim Ryan very well may be a robot who doesn't seem like he knows how to talk to humans. Um, and, that, and, and it's not like a dig. It's just I assume I'd be willing to bet a whole lot of money that guy has an engineering background and that's how he approaches things. And it's not a good or a bad thing. His company is insanely successful. And so um, I just... I don't think that there's too many good feels when it comes to being a big PlayStation fan where, uh, you know, maybe there are more so with Xbox, but you know, I bet PlayStation doesn't hate having those, uh, super duper good exclusives too. Maybe they'll, you know, take a few less good feels to get, you know, like the last of us. So, um, it, it, all, it has been pointed out by quite a few people that it is kind of funny that due to Sony's previous dealings with, you know, basically paying lots of money to keep third party games off of Xbox, at least for a while, um, and their own, you know, extreme reliance on exclusives, uh, you know, for their own success that it, you know, that they're being so kind of petty about pushing back on this potential deal. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, they're just trying, I, I, I assume there's just a, an acceptance that this deal is going to happen and it's probably going to happen within the next few months. And if they can stir up a little bit of, you know, stuff, uh, to, to get, 
you know, a, another couple years of Call of Duty or to get some kind of other concessions, then they might as well. May, it might fail. They may, they may get nothing from it. And this little spat will be forgotten in two months. So, um, you know, it's not a great look. Um, I saw a lot of people doing like this, like kind of, in my opinion, like a false equivalency of saying like they both look bad. Like, I don't really think they both look bad. I think one company is trying to look like the good guy and they're just trying to complete an acquisition. And the other side who, you know, at least market share wise is kind of the dominant force is kind of not acting like the dominant force, at least not in my opinion. Um, so uh, I don't think there's like a good guy, bad guy thing here. I think it's just two giant multinational businesses going after each other for, for financial reasons uh, and that they don't give a crap about any of us and that taking sides about a piece of, over a piece of plastic and metal is dumb. Um, but it it is kind of interesting to watch from, uh, I guess, from the outside. Another thing we're watching from the outside is the uh, maybe long-term acquisition of Ubisoft by Tencent. Um, so the big story here uh, is that um, Tencent essentially acquired 49.9% of the economic stake of Ubisoft, um, but they only have 5% of the voting rights. Um, so what it seems like from the deal, from what I read up on it is that, you know, them owning 49.9% <clears throat> may seem like it's like, oh boy, now they're going to just acquire them. Right. Well, there's a whole bunch of stipulations, I guess, in this deal where they can't, it, it, it's literally a, you can have this much, but you can't take more for like a fairly extended amount of time. So, at least for now, Ubisoft remains in, this, in the same hands. I would say this pretty much completely gets rid of any chatter of them being acquired by you know, Microsoft or, or, or Sony or anything like that. Um, I, I don't think that there's any company that would get involved in this deal at this point. So, um, from what it kind of looks like is, is, is basically Tencent is um, taking a big old fat cut to... Um, essentially be Ubisoft's bankroll. So I think the main thing to talk about is how this may impact Ubisoft in the long run. And I think the way to talk about that is kind of the, um, how, how like the optimistic viewpoint, and then what I would probably label like the realistic viewpoint, right? So the optimistic one is in theory, if a company isn't that worried about making money, which they all are, but if it's not like essential for them to hold off a Vivendi, like what happened to them years ago, then in theory, maybe they can be more experimental. Maybe they can take their time. Maybe they can, you know, worry about quality over quantity and maybe not be so dependent on free to play games. Uh, if, if you're hearing any sarcasm in my voice, it's very purposeful. And so in theory, this could be a really good thing. And maybe they'll, you know, put out some good games. <laughs> um, realistically, it's, it's harder to tell, right? So the thing you have to realize that with most big publishers and developers like Ubisoft is they are what we're seeing from them today got approved three, four, five years ago. 
So, you know, the last couple of years, we've really seen this, in my opinion, kind of, you know, downfall. Um, and it didn't even start off in that great of a spot uh, of, of Ubisoft kind of being this company that like has no identity that doesn't put out games that are like even trying to be like game of the year contenders or like really, really, really good in general. It, it kind of seems like they're just, you know, at the factory, just putting out sevens, you know, sixes and sevens out of tens and, and, it, and they're bringing in money. They're selling 10 million copies still they're you know they're keeping the company afloat uh you know and and they're just gonna they they just keep pumping them out where i understand that that might be necessary just kind of in general but um you know surely that there's people at all levels of ubisoft who want to do more than that who look at other publishers and studios and see these games coming out that they technically can do that they can compete with but because of a lack of resources because of a lack of freedom because of a a lack of you know time they aren't able to and they just have to get out what they can get out i feel like when you look at most of ubisoft's games these days you're looking at a bunch of titles that are just coming out because they need something out Um, And that sucks, right? Because they have a bunch of really, really, really good IP, a lot of really interesting IP, both that's active and isn't. So realistically, um, because there's like this big delay, you know, say this move changes everything, we won't really see the impact of it for three or four or five years. Um, And that's just the reality. Um, We'll talk about the Ubisoft Forward show before the stream is over, before the podcast is over. Um, It there's some rumors that look like maybe Ubisoft is kind of getting their crap together, but we'll see. So, um, this is big news financially. I don't know how much of a direct impact us as players will see from this acquisition, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, really just a quick blurb on the Disney 23 game show. Um, they did the game showcase this year that people were pretty excited about because Disney owns a bunch of big IP that has games being made for it, like Star Wars and like the Marvel games and even um, like Avatar and things like that. And it was pretty lackluster. It was not great, in my opinion. It, it had a good pacing. Um, the presentation was fine. But the actual content was pretty mediocre. So I think the highlight was we know that Amy Hennig is working on a Marvel game. And it's now been officially revealed that it's a Captain America and Black Panther game. Uh, There's basically, I'll I'll talk about more later. um, But it it was just like not even CG. It was just like a little like, hey, we're making the game. Um, They did show Avatar, which... um, would have surprised me if we would have seen like the massive Ubisoft massive game, because surely if they have something to show, they'll show that tomorrow during the Ubisoft forward. I'm recording this on Friday. Um, and then the, and so they just showed like, yeah, we're still making the avatar game. So, okay. Um, and then they actually did show some gameplay from a mobile avatar game, which like looked fine, but I don't know who in the world wanted to see that in a showcase, but, but there it was, we saw it. 
And other than that, it was like a bunch of just kind of weird stuff. It was, they, they have like a, a Harvest Moon type of game out now. That's like all the Disney characters. And they just kind of showed some stuff about it. There's a racing game that I don't really know if it's out or not with a bunch of Disney characters. Because they then like were like, and there's new maps coming soon. So to me, who doesn't know anything about this game, I, I don't know if the game is out and they're previewing the maps. I don't know. I don't think the game is out. But either way, it looked kind of janky and I, I wasn't there just wasn't a lot of interesting stuff here um which is fine not every showcase is gonna blow everyone's mind maybe some people saw this and were like oh my god i'm gonna die them because i'm so excited but i uh i wasn't one of them so it existed uh, i suspect they'll have more coming later but we'll have to probably wait for that uh, just a quick discussion on a story that we talked about previously about how Halo Infinite is kind of floundering and how um, you know things aren't going well with the the current the next the current season is going to end up lasting like ten months and that even the next season doesn't look like it's going to have like as much content as people would expect and the, the discussion kind of spurred from that that I didn't really cover uh, about three four three so if you don't know after Bungie and Microsoft split. Microsoft created a studio called 343 to make Halo games. That, that's its directive is they make Halo games. So um, I believe some of the people who they were able to retain from Bungie who made the original three Halo games, um, they were able to kind of take some of you know the remaining people, make a new studio, try to inject a bunch of new life. And that resulted in Halo 4, Halo 5, and Halo Infinite. Halo 4 was received okay. I vaguely remember Halo 4. Halo 5 was not received well. I don't think it was that bad, but it had you playing as someone other than Chief for a lot of the game, and it was not great. Um, so I get it. And then Halo Infinite has come out, which I think hit really well at first. And I think the the story was cool. I, I enjoyed playing it. Um... But it does seem like, you know, especially the multiplayer and especially the support after release, because it was supposed to be like this live service game, has, in the best case scenario, been lacking, right? So I think it's a interesting situation where um, I, I've seen a lot of discussion about, you know, should 343 keep making these games? They've been around for, I think it's like 14 years now. They've put out three, you know, mainline games, and none of them have been super successful. And the really weird thing is, you know, there's uh, there's a few very large and very notable content creators um, who are like, you know, this is ju it's a juvenile thing to say that they shouldn't keep working on it. Like, who's gonna do it if it's not them and stuff? And and I get their argument. Like I get their take. Like it 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 feels very reactionary to be like, oh, this game isn't what I wanted, so fire them all. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that this franchise that used to be the headline franchise for your platform is now not not even in the. I mean, it's not. It's not anymore. You know, it's Halo is not the headline franchise for Xbox anymore. Right now, it's probably Gears of War, if in my opinion. Um, I think Forza is up there, uh, both Motorsport and Horizon. Um, 
I think that there's a lot of potential for like Hellblade to be up there, for Starfield to be up there. And then obviously if this Activision Blizzard deal goes through, it's going to be Call of Duty. So I think um, it, it's it's interesting. I, I really, I hated a lot of the calls for getting rid of 343 or for taking Halo away from them. I also really didn't love most of the pushback I saw on that because it just it, it, it was like, in my opinion, it was like kind of unrealistic. Um, it, it was kind of just ignoring what they've made and how they haven't hit once. Um, so, like, I don't want 343 to be shut down, but, you know, especially if this Activision Blizzard deal goes through. I mean, you're going to have multiple studios who are some of the best first-person shooter studios ever, who have made some of the most successful first-person shooter games ever made. And I'm sorry, but I refuse to believe that you can't take the lessons that they've learned from Call of Duty and things like that and not try to share that knowledge, share that experience with Halo. Because... Halo Infinite is going to have like a few more seasons and they might release some single player DLC. We, we have no idea. They might end up putting out like a battle Royale. We, you know, that's probably happening, but there will be another Halo. Eventually. I, I know that they've said that this Halo Infinite is going to, is like a 10 year project. I really hope not because I don't think that would be good for Halo. Um, I think there needs to be, a Halo 7 or a Halo 6, I guess it would be, um, or, or whatever, Halo Infinite 2, I don't know. But I, I think, you know, when I saw someone say, like, well, who's going to do it? I'm like, well, they're about to have a whole bunch of people who could do it. And no matter who does it, the next Halo needs to be, like, very different. It, it needs to be, like, a very different game. Um, it can't just be the... Yeah, it feels pretty good to play, but I don't want to play it game. They, they have to mix something new in. They, they have to do something different. So I don't know. I, I again, I'm not one. Of, I'm not being like reactionary, being like, yeah, fire everyone at three, four, three and fire Phil Spencer and blah, blah, blah. But I am saying that, like, look, like three games, three mainline, like long term project games is a resume. And their resume isn't great. And I know that there's some like new leadership in there and that maybe that's going to change things around, but it doesn't seem like it did with Infinite. So why am I supposed to believe that it will with, you know, the next game? So I, or, or with the, the, the ongoing support of this game, I don't know. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, some Assassin's Creed stuff. So, uh, so there's been some leaks about that. Now, obviously, this is going to be dispelled basically tomorrow. And, and how much of this was true or not? It wouldn't be an Ubisoft game if it wasn't leaked three days early because they just cannot <laughs> they cannot keep anything secret. It is kind of pathetic and in, in, in a way. But basically, there's the Mirage game that we know about that is going to be some kind of a callback to the old games. It's going to be like its own experience. Um, and then we've heard uh, about that there's going to be multiple games shown tomorrow during the Ubisoft Forward that are going to be part of this uh, this Assassin's Creed Infinity game or something where it's going to be like 
like the main it's gonna be like the ongoing game that's gonna like replace like odyssey and uh valhalla so they won't release an odyssey and a valhalla they're gonna have assassin's creed infinite or infinity or whatever and then they're gonna add entries to that and i think that right now it's rumored it's gonna be um like feudal japan uh and there were a few other interesting ones that they talked about and that instead of releasing new games they're gonna be like new entries into this ongoing game you know we'll see how that goes um Assassin's Creed, I don't like Valhalla. I enjoyed Odyssey, but I felt like it was way too long, and I didn't play any of the DLC because I played enough of that game to just play it through. So I don't love the idea of them going more towards that live service thing, but it seems like it's worked for them. And it's about the only game besides Siege that Ubisoft has handled well in the live service capacity. So it's kind of hard to, to not understand why they wouldn't keep doing that so um you know and the mirage game obviously seems like an interesting thing to me um to to kind of go back to the uh to old to the old school way of things this one isn't really worth talking a ton about because we're about to find out all of the real info tomorrow um, but i just at least wanted to mention it uh, another small uh, update this week was that the uh, xbox elite 2 core and design studio have been announced so the elite 2 core or the series 2 core is going to be a white controller with black rubber parts um that that doesn't come with all of the extras and it's going to be i think 140 bucks um i think this is a pretty clear answer to the new playstation fancy controller their dual sense that has like two paddles on the back. I don't understand. I don't understand that, that controller at all, but I think this is going to, I think this core, uh, series two, uh, elite controller is going to actually come in under that one. And in my opinion, has a lot more utility to it. Um, obviously if you have one console or the other though, the other one doesn't mean anything to you. So, um, I think that was interesting that they're that they're basically offering a cheaper option that doesn't have all the bells and whistles that you can add yourself if you want them. And then you have um, the uh, the design studio for the Series 2 Elite. So you'll be able to design your own Elite, and that's a pretty big deal. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be like $300 because the Elite with all of the stuff is really expensive, and then this is going to be customized. So, you know, you're probably going to pay a pretty penny. Um, and a lot of people have been basically asking, like, are they going to even mention, you know, any uh, fixes or updates to their uh, quality control and stuff like that? Because it's really interesting. It seems like people have either never had a single issue with their Elite controller or they've had like five of them because they, they, they peel apart or they break or whatever. So... Uh, I've, I'm pretty easy on controllers, so I, I don't have an elite yet, uh, but I suspect I wouldn't have any issues with it. Um, and it seems like some of the people who have issues probably have issues with everything in their entire life. Um, but it's, um, you know, it does seem like it, they do have some issues that are legitimate and hopefully they're addressing that with this new, uh, series. And because if they aren't, they're going to hear about it. Speaking of someone who heard about it this week, uh, Glenn Schofield, uh, who's a former EA dev, who is not very well beloved uh, from his time at EA, uh, put out a tweet this week, basically uh, 
glamorizing crunch, uh, the, the crunch that his team is doing on the Callista protocol as they try to get it finished for this winter uh, to release. Uh, as things go these days, he quickly deleted the tweet and then posted an apology. And it was really interesting because, you know, his tweet was basically saying, like, we don't make anyone crunch, but they are because they love what they're doing. And that's been a, a, a discussion for a long time is that not much crunch is mandatory, but it is very strongly encouraged. And so whether he meant it or not, that was definitely the energy his tweet put off, at least in my opinion. And he, um, you know, pretty understandably, and understandably got some pushback on that. So, um, I, I was reading some articles and stuff and, and people did reach out to people who work at the studio and no one really did like jump out and throw out like crazy accusations of like really high pressure to do, um, you know, more work than they can handle and stuff. But I think it was the general optics that people didn't like that. He was kind of glamorizing in a very like old school developer kind of way. Um, this, this crunch. And, and again, we, we've discussed this before, but like I've talked to devs who work at studios who like, they love working at that studio. And the simple fact is, is that, you know, in the, in the couple months before a game comes out, I think it is just like kind of accepted that you're going to work a little more. It seems like the issue comes when either it's mandatory um, or when the company isn't trying to do anything to alleviate that. And especially when that crunch lasts, not just for like two or three months, but it lasts for a year or multiple years, which we've heard about um, in some games that like literally people were not working 60 or 70 hours for like a couple of weeks. They did it for like months and years of their life. And it, that will ruin your life like that will ruin your psyche. So, um, you know, I understand why people freaked out. Um, I don't really know if 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 if, if what he, if that's he intended to glamorize the thing people were upset about, but you know he did it, and uh, you know he seemed like he tried to correct it, um, but just the way things go, people are gonna wag their finger, and then in a week we'll forget, uh, you know it ever happened. So, so there we go. What you shouldn't forget to do. Uh, is if you're enjoying this show, you should uh, try to support the show. You can do it on YouTube by just watching videos, subscribing to the channel. You can do it on Twitch by subscribing to uh, you know my my streams, getting some emotes. Uh, you can um, even you know go to Patreon.com/slash/BondDiesel. You get a bunch of perks there. You can check it out. The links for all of those things should be down in the description below. And I appreciate it if you decide to throw a little extra. Uh, love my way. Okay, let's talk about the division and Mass Effect, our uh, our lovely uh, every every week sections. Um, so for the division, um, uh, the big thing with it is that uh, the Ubisoft Forward show that is tomorrow. Um, if you're listening to this before that, somehow, um, I'm gonna try to stream it, but it's at three o'clock, and that's typically when my daughter is waking up from her naps, and my wife won't be here tomorrow during that day and so there's a pretty slim chance i'm gonna get to stream it um i do plan on making a video uh, summarizing it and giving my thoughts about it because it seems like there's going to be a lot of significant uh, announcements and things covered uh and then i'll obviously talk about it during the podcast next week 
Um, when it comes to the division, we have um, official note that the Division 2, Heartland, and Resurgence, which is the mobile game, will all appear during this show. We'll get some kind of update. Um, I don't know how big any of those updates are going to be. Um, with Division 2, I have to imagine like maybe they're going to preview what the new mode is with Season 11. Maybe. Um, they could go real nutty and, and at least like hint at Division 3. I highly doubt it because just the logistics of the studio and, and the way I've like kind of worked it out, I don't think that they can even start making a Division 3 for like two or three years. So I doubt they would announce that yet. With Heartland, literally anything. We could get literally anything. We could get a teaser. We could get a full trailer and gameplay. I have no idea. Um, because if I have to be totally honest, um, without getting myself in trouble NDA-wise, I should know a lot about Heartland. And I don't. I have no idea what's going on with Heartland right now. To the point in previous episodes, not long ago, I was saying that I think it could be canceled. Um, I don't think it is. I don't think they would make a big deal out of it um, being at this show if it was canceled. But I don't know. Ubisoft's in a weird spot with Heartland. Um, and I think it's weird that we're hearing about other games that shouldn't be as far along. Um, but we're hearing a lot more about them. So we'll have to wait and see. And then the, the resurgence thing. I mean, I'm not a mobile gamer. I, I'm glad people are excited about this because it does look like it's going to be like more of the division and not really like a super stylized mobile experience. Uh, but I'm not going to play it. I'll, I'll check it out, but I doubt I'm going to like spend 100 hours on it. Um, and th there was a little story this week because naturally ubisoft posted some info about heartland early and then took it back down and people gleaned uh from from the details they they think this game is going to be kind of like a tarkov ish kind of game i i don't know man i my my biggest i think that wouldn't work because tarkov is a very unique kind of game uh that is attract that attracts a very unique type of player and i do not think that is the general the division fan is the type of players that like the tarkov style games attract uh, or like uh what was it called like um virgil or something like that uh uh on i think it's on xbox it might be on playstation 2 there, there, there's like a like a like a tarkov light game that that's on uh the consoles and um they just they're very niche in my opinion and if that's where Heartland goes, I just don't see it having a huge audience. But, you know, we'll know more tomorrow. Uh, and, and maybe I'll finally be unbound from my binds of talking about that game uh, at least a little bit. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, as for Mass Effect, there wasn't really anything big this week. I even kind of poked around a little bit to see if I could find anything even like super, like very reachy to talk about. And I really didn't find anything. So um, the big things for me is I did start a like an F-Shep preview uh, or, or playthrough um, with uh, with Jane Shepard. Um, it's been interesting. I'm, I'm getting towards the end of Mass Effect 1. Um, I'm trying to do like a 100% like canon playthrough like like for my canon which is probably gonna be romancing liara um being paragon and like doing all the good stuff and having shepherd live at the end because this is probably a save i'm gonna keep uh for later you know who knows if the next game will use any saves that we have from the legendary edition i'm going on the idea that maybe it will 
And so with that, um, I, I probably won't do uh, more um, FemShep uh, playthroughs, uh, or maybe I will. I have no idea. It kind of depends on how long we, we have to wait for this next game. Um, but I'm trying to do at least one good one that I really like. And so if I ever want to pull it back up for uh, for later uses, I can. Um, but so far, I've enjoyed it. I have enjoyed you know some of the unique dialogue and some of the unique interactions you have with her as opposed to uh, with 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 uh, old uh, Mr. Shepard. Um and so I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out and how I feel about it at the end. I'm also being an adept, which is, uh, I, I haven't done it before. Um, and I've actually enjoyed it quite a bit. You feel quite powerful with some of those, uh, with some of those skills. So, um, I'm definitely kind of excited to get to two and then three, um, Mass Effect 1 has, is really charming in some ways, but it does, you know, it's old. <laughs> like, it feels old. Even with the Legendary Edition updates, it still feels old. So, um, I, I'm kind of excited to get to 2, even though I don't really like 2 that much from a gameplay perspective, because I'm excited to get to 3. And that's where I think I'll have a lot of fun with uh, with my with my Jane. So, I'll update uh, that as uh, time goes on. Um, the other thing with Mass Effect, I am going to do a giveaway. Um, I posted a picture. I'm giving away like six or seven items. Um, I, I got a bunch of gift card money from the BioWare gear store from people using my um, discount code. And so I bought like $300 worth of stuff and I'm going to give it away. I meant to do it during the 200th episode time of this podcast, but it just got here. It was too late. So my idea is probably like in the middle of October, I'm going to start the giveaway and I'm going to have it end on N7 day or maybe like a couple days after to try to kind of reel in that hype. Um, because why not? Uh, it, it should be an exciting time for uh, Mass Effect fans. I'm not expecting any really big news probably until next year. Um, but I think that we'll at least get something interesting this year. And so to kind of take advantage of that hype, I will uh, be doing the giveaway. I'm going to do it all through Twitter this time. So um, I think I'm going to do something like uh, retweets and follows will earn you an entry. And then just let that go on for like three or four weeks. And then I'll pick a winner. Um, yeah. So keep an eye out for that. Okay, so that's the news for this week. Let's jump into some listener questions. Uh, if you have any gaming news stories, specific topics, or questions that you want me to talk about next week, jump into my Discord uh, and ask. You can find the link to that Discord in the description of the podcast. The first question comes from Legolas on the Shelf, one of my favorite uh, new names uh, of people who have been hanging out. Um, says which games were initially too spooky for you i put dead space away for a while because the first chapter was so intense so i actually have a good story for this one um thank you for the question um so man i i don't remember my age i was like uh, like primary or elementary school aged i was young and i had a i can't remember if resident evil 2 was on the playstation or playstation 2 um but I had that system, whatever system it was on. And obviously, my father was not going to let me have that game. It, I had no business having that game. But one of my friends had irresponsible parents, and they gave me the game. Or, and my friend gave me the game, let me borrow it. But there was no way I was going to sit in the, in the living room with my dad walking around and try to play that game. Because he was going to take it away, as he should have. And so I'll never forget that you know, there was uh, one night 
where I said I was going to the bathroom. We only had one bathroom on the first floor of the house and our bedrooms were on the second floor. And so I went to the bathroom, got into my backpack, turned on the TV, turned the volume down to like one so I could just barely hear, but not really. Didn't turn on a single light in the entire place except for the TV. And I sat there like eight inches away from the TV and tried to play Resident Evil 2. And I got like 15 minutes into it. And yeah, I was freaking out. I was gonna, I, I had nightmares. I was not prepared. And obviously, in hindsight, it seems so silly. But I, my little brain at that time had not seen this stuff, had not seen like gore and anything. And, you know, for the time, those graphics looked really good, right? And so, um, yeah, that was a game that I put down, obviously, that night, gave it back to my friend. And then I think I ended up playing through most of that game, like, years later, um, when I was, like, a teenager. Um, I, I don't remember how the circumstances of that. Uh, if I bought, like, a remake or something, I can't remember. Um, but I did eventually play through most of it. And it got, I, th I think it just got too hard. I wasn't, like, super into those kind of games at that time. All the puzzles and things like that. So, um, but yeah, that's definitely Resident Evil 2 was that game for me, for sure. Uh, Silence Falls uh, pointed out the, the Amy Hennig Marvel game. So before the showcase today, an article came out kind of talking about that game. Um, so the whole thing is that it's going to be a narrative-driven blockbuster action-adventure game featuring a, complete, uh, a completely original story and a take on the Marvel Universe. Uh, and it's going to be set during World War II. Uh, so when they did the D23 thing, they showed that it's... Uh, presumably we're going to be in this story game where we're going to play as black Panther. So like from the movies, it would be like the dad who died in the bombing from the winter soldier. Um, so it'd be like old black Panther, captain America, um, one of the spies from uh, Wakanda and a American GI. Um, you know, the, what they showed at, at, at D23 wasn't, like, no gameplay or anything. Um, this game's probably in production right now. I think they, uh, you know, they started that studio, what, three or four years ago, I think. So, she, you know, they're they're probably in production at this point, um, or at least late in pre-production. So, I mean, it could be here in the next couple of years. That, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So, um, I won't get overly excited about it. I think it's an interesting story. Amy Hennig is legendary for her ability. Um, and so it seems like, you know, if she's working on it, it's probably going to be good. Uh, but you know, you also don't count your hens before they're hatched. Right. So, uh, thanks you know, to silence for posting that story. Uh, and I'm excited to see, uh, what we see about that as uh, time goes on. Uh, pizza morgue had a couple questions here. The first one was, have you played much of cyberpunk 2077 this year? Uh, February was a pretty massive patch, and now uh, they just had a smaller one. I wondered if you had any thoughts, especially as they announced an expansion uh, and that they're cutting off last-gen support uh, when the game still isn't anywhere close to where it needs to be. It also is the only expansion they're going to do. After this comes out, they'll probably do some like support patches, and the game's done. Um, because CDPR is moving the next Witcher game to Unreal Engine 5, so they're dropping their own uh, engine, and I think that they want to run away from it as soon as they can, because they probably have a lot to do 
to get Unreal 5 to work for their games. Um, so yes, I did play Cyberpunk um, earlier in this year. After that big patch that you talked about, I think they did like um, like five hour or like two hour trials or something on Xbox Live. Um, so I played it for a couple hours and it was cool. Um, I've watched a lot of playthroughs of that game because it, it is a cool story. Um, even, you know, the unfixed game, it has a generally cool story. It has a decent number of choices you can make. So I've, I've watched all the endings. I've watched a lot of the big story moments. Um, I want to play it. It's just when I played it, I really did get a feeling of like, you know, we were really being sold that this was going to be like the next Skyrim, like the next RPG that was going to take things forward. And instead it kind of came out and it was like kind of a mediocre RPG, that was like a good story that looked really good, but was like a mile wide and an inch deep. It's just a shallow game, right? With its systems and uh, its AI and things like that. It just, you know, wasn't what they sold us, you know, but it was still okay. And so my experience with it was good. And my intent was that if it got, it went onto a huge sale that I would buy it and play it um, because Pan Am, mm hmm that's speaking my language right there. Panam, Panam, or whatever her name is. Like, that is that is my cup of tea. So um, I do plan on playing it. I want to play through. I want to play through the story. Um, I will say that that expansion, the trailer for it, like seemed like kind of lame to me. Like I, I don't know. It, I'll be kind of curious to how they treat it. Um, I kind of hate Keanu Reeves's voiceover in that game. When I played, I think the demo I played uh, let me play until like right after he like popped up um so uh, and i i don't know i i just i don't love it it was so forced and it was like almost like they let him be in the game because he's famous and because they could use it for marketing but his actual involvement in the game is very meh in my opinion so um but whatever it's fine i want to play it i liked what i played I definitely didn't get vibes of being like, this is the best game I've ever played. And in fact, I got vibes of like, oh, this is like an okay RPG. It's like kind of like the Outer Worlds where it like it was a good game. It was fun, um, but it needed like it wasn't very deep. But the Outer Worlds didn't sell itself as more than what it was where, you know, Cyberpunk definitely did. And Cyberpunk is a way bigger experience than Outer Worlds. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying that, like, I was expecting a new Skyrim, and instead I felt like I got, like, a really good Outer Worlds. But, you know, I'll have to play it myself and go to the end on my own to really make uh, a big call there. Uh, Pizza Morg's second question was, uh, any thoughts on Steel Rising, the AA Souls game with difficulty options? Uh, that all of the elitist, uh, the souls elitist, uh, could said could never be done. I saw ACG and a few other people's reviews on it. Um, it seems like it's exactly what you said. It's a souls game. It's very double A slash like indie. Um, I saw a lot of people saying that like in general, it's like a solid game, but it's lacking a lot of polish. It's lacking a lot of detail. It's lacking a lot of the things that people do want. Yeah, I mean, Elden Ring and and the From Software games have just like set such an impossible standard for that genre. Um, so I'm glad that there's companies trying to do it. It seems like this game's being pretty well received, so I, I think they'll do well. Um, but it just kind of seems like, you know, they're, they're always going to be, 
you know, the little brothers, you know, to, uh, to the, to the adults in the room who are from software. Um, but I'm glad that it exists. I'm glad they did difficulty levels. Like you said, there's a big debate in that community of that genre, um, about whether or not that's a, you know, a thing that should be there or not. Um, I'm glad it is. I think games should be accessible to everyone. I'm perfectly happy if games have options where someone can basically just hit one button and play through the whole game because, my work has been working with people who would love to enjoy these games, but can't, um, and would love to just experience a game and even if, even if they can't really play it. Um, and so I think that it doesn't hurt anyone to have those kind of options available. And I'm glad that in this very small way, uh, this is kind of taking on that stereotype about souls games that there can be difficulty levels. Then the final questions here are from Master Prime. Uh, the first one is, when is a game rework a signal of bad design or something else? Um, so if you're talking about like, when is a game like completely like changing things up or doing like a No Man's Sky or doing like a siege um, kind of thing? Um, I, I, I mean, I think it's pretty much, I think it's typically a sign of bad leadership. Um, I've, I've done a lot of research and, and listened to a lot of interviews and stuff about uh, like Bioware um, and Anthem and Andromeda and how these two games like both had really good concepts. They had parts of both of those games that were very good, but they just didn't come together. Um, you know, the games didn't come together. And what that typically with all the games I've read about and learned about that had good ideas or even good things but were kind of bad games, it almost always started with bad leadership and leaving post, you know, pre-production without everything you're supposed to have. Like the way games are supposed to work is that you're supposed to like prototype and do a whole bunch of stuff in pre-production. And then when you start production and bring on the whole like hundreds of people who are going to work on the game, you're supposed to basically have like an exact plan of you already know all the mechanics. You already know the story. You should know everything. Now you just need people to make it. And with a lot of these games that you see having these big reworks and stuff, it kind of seems like they jumped into production and like didn't have even half their stuff set in stone. And obviously things change during development, but those things tend to be fairly minor and not be like, like they were finished and then they had to work on them and not, you know, they were never finished and they had to finish them as they went, which is how it seems like it goes a lot. Um, so yeah, so there's my answer there. Second question from Master Prime, are looters becoming a more niche genre? Yeah, I think so. I think people are kind of getting sick of it. Um, I think games like Assassin's Creed, um, I think all of these games that we've seen go from be like, from being like legendary, like single player games or games that could have been really good single player games that ended up becoming looter shooters. Um, I, I think it was fun for a while and I think there's still a, a core audience there, but I don't think it's that big and I don't think it's getting bigger. Um, you know, and, and this has a lot to do with your next question, but like, like, I don't know, like, I'm sure destiny is growing, but probably not that quickly, but it retains players expertly. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to call something a niche that is like very popular and has hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people playing it. But I do think that they, you know, it, it, it was a, it's a very oversaturated, um, genre of games that also 
hasn't really been executed very well by anyone. The best by Bungie, arguably second best by The Division and massive Ubisoft, but it drops off pretty quick. And so I think just because these looter games are so hard to make good, and it's it seems like it's basically impossible for them to meet their pre-production goals, that I think a lot of studios and publishers are, gonna, are just going to back off and be like, hey, you know, if we had 15 years to make a game in an unlimited budget, we could do this, but we can't really do it, and we can't do it well, so maybe we should you know, take a different angle. And then your third question is, if you were in charge of a game with a long way to get to the end game, how would you make it easy for new players to get to that end game? For example, Destiny 2 or The Division 2. Um, yeah, well, so that's kind of what I was saying before about Destiny, is that it's kind of famous for... Um, not being very friendly to new players. Now they are trying to fix that now by getting rid of their vault, uh, their what it's called vaulting or whatever, where they put like content away that that you paid for. Um, but it's not even bringing back like the original story and stuff like that. And so, I, I mean, I think the best way that you can take these games that have see, it's not like like World of Warcraft, where I think that grind is like part of the game. Where with Destiny Two and The Division Two. Um, like like the division two, I think does a good job of it. It has like a token, and I think Destiny two has this too. You can basically use a token on a character, and it bumps them up to end game level, and it gives them some basic gear. But then it kind of just throws you in, and you have to watch YouTube videos and streamers and have friends help. And so I don't really know if there's a good answer, but I think that token to jump you to the end game is a good start. Um, but I think after that, you know, there, there may have to be a little bit more handholding. I do think the division two has that Sherpa system, which like in theory should be helpful with that. Who knows if it really is or not. I've never messed with it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's definitely a problem. Um, but the problem is that some types of games like MMOs, I think like need that problem. And then other types of games like looters, um, it can become a hindrance, but if you let people skip to the end game, you know, like I've always told people that if you can get the division two for 20 bucks right now that has like warlords with it, you, you, you literally have hundreds of hours of gameplay before you even finish the whole story. And then you may just never play again. But if you use that token to jump to the end game, well, one, you don't know what you're doing. And then two, you um, skipped over like at least, you know, a hundred hours of gameplay, give or take. And you kind of cheapened your experience, at least in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough challenge probably for people smarter than me. So, uh, so thank you all for these questions. This was a great turnout for this week. Um, if you have your own questions or topics or news articles or whatever for next week's show, make sure to get into the discord and go to the, I think it's the, the questions and topics uh, room in my discord and you can post yours there. For some quick content updates, uh, all I have is um, I put up a poll asking about the podcast, you know, what people actually come to the podcast for. I said gaming news, The Division, Mass Effect news, uh, or the listener questions. Uh, the Division and Mass Effect news were, were tied for first. Uh, listener questions were second. And gaming news was in there. So um, that's kind of what I expected. Uh, so that was me kind of seeing if I should keep around The Division and Mass Effect um like permanent uh things and 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 that's fine i think the division will have stuff to talk about 
pretty often. Um, Mass Effect, I think we may go through a bit of a dry spell, but that just gives me, even if it's just I do one bit of speculation, uh, whether it's for, you know, following it. What? Okay, so story time. So if you're watching the video version of this podcast, you'll see that I just got up and ran away from the table because my wife popped in and said that she heard something downstairs. So I grabbed our crowbar and went down there to do whatever I had to do only for me to search our entire house and look everywhere and basement and everything only to look over to where our printer is in our living room and to see a piece of paper on the floor, which I then had to look at her and ask, did you just print something? And she did cause she's, she's working right tonight. She's always, she's got work. That's just the way it is for teachers. And she laughs and we realize that she printed something and then heard the printer going and thought someone had broken into the house. So, so I'm, I'm going to, you know, we're going to wrap this baby up with, uh, with, with that story. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed telling it. Uh, and, and that's where we're going to leave it. So, uh, if you're listening to the audio version, I, I suggest at least, uh, coming to this part of the podcast for the video, I'm going to, uh, speed up that segment where I had to step away and, uh, and we can all have a giggle together. So, so there we go. Okay, so please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. It really does help, and I have a ton of really good ratings, so please keep those pumping in if you still listen. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Thumbs up this video and comment down below, even if it's just for the algorithm. The likes and the comments really, really help this get shared to other people, so please do that. Uh, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel uh, on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and over on Twitch. Uh, and if you're interested in supporting the show or my other content, as well as getting some perks, check out patreon.com slash Bond Diesel. You can also subscribe over on my Twitch at twitch.tv slash Bond Diesel. That's all I have. So until next time. I'm <laughs> going